Hello, it's me, Ben, from the podcast Bunta Vista. Uh, we all had a bunch of stuff on this week, so instead of getting a new episode, you are getting an unlocked bonus episode from the archives. Um, this is a, a Theophiles that Theo and I recorded back in July um, that I think is very nice and I think you might enjoy, maybe. Um, if you like this sort of stuff and you want to get the Theophiles closer to when they're released, consider subscribing to the podcast on Patreon. Uh, but also, you will probably get it eventually. So, if you don't want to, you don't have to. I hope you're having uh, just a lovely day or night. Um, yep. Stay safe out there. Come one, come all, and gather round. We'll tell our tales to thee. Of saints and whores and demon cause of sights for all to see. Come ye all around the fire and listen all the while To tales of holes and mystery We call the Theophiles We call the Theophiles I see you don't want to do an intro. Oh, fucking hell, Jesus, I've had such a long day. <laughs> Should we just start again? Yeah, let's just start again. All right. Um, you've got I'm an intro, my so I've you should intro. start talking. Okay. Yeah. Christ. Hello. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Bunta Vista. It's a Theophiles episode, which exists outside of our normal timeline that we decided, and we think it's about 12-ish. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I'm Theo, that's Ben, and this is our uh, social media pregnancy announcement post, which is very exciting. You know, we've been together a very long time. A lot of people have been asking, you know, Where's the baby? Where's the baby? Well, if you look to your right, your left, you see it on the screen, would be flipped around. It's right there in Ben's belly. Yeah. And with me today, of course, is Ben. Mm-hmm. I've got a bun um, in the oven. You've got a bun in the oven. We're very excited. Are you excited, Ben? Oh, boy. Give the right I? answer. Is that the pitter-patter of little feet you hear? Yeah. No. Not yet. Nope. <laughs> it's suspended in amniotic fluid. Yeah. Sort of the, the wet splip-splap of... <laughs> Yeah. Baby, unborn baby limbs moving around. Yeah. 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 That's very exciting. Uh, sorry, I, I suppose we should probably should talk about the shirts that we're wearing as well. <laughs> uh, almost forgot the uh-huh. custom shirts we had made. Uh, hang on. What does mine say? It says, uh, I'm the stud yeah. who uh, got my wife pregnant by, uh, let's see, uh, with my hot semen. Yeah. Yeah. And you've got a shirt on that says, uh, I was bred like a prized cow. Yep. Um, my husband uh, cream pied me, and the stuff that didn't drip onto the floor uh, eventually became a baby. Yeah. And this is sort of like the more, it's a kind of a more highbrow episode uh, that we would do where we talk about yeah. curios from the world of science. Yeah. A lot and of history. it's not funny, it's just interesting. Yeah. See, I was going to wear my other shirt that I have um, that's an arrow and it's pointing to you and it says, I'm with stupid. And yeah. by the way, I'm also kind of his cum dumpster and I kept the cum and I'm using that cum to make a baby. Yeah. Yeah. It's a we really got too long... many shirts made. Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't decide. Yeah, it's tough. <laughs> I think people are very weird about this stuff. I don't know if you've noticed. Have you seen this? Have you heard about this? Yeah. Yeah. Where it'd be like... 
that the baby is wearing a little onesie that says, I'm daddy's little squirt because I'm yep. the, the cum that came out of dad's penis. Yeah. I and was some jizz an and yeah. an egg once. Yeah. Isn't that weird? At one point, you were two different things. should be normal about things. it. Yeah. Isn't that strange? Theo, huh. have you ever had a dream and then had the events of that dream subsequently come to pass in waking life? No. Well, that's quite interesting because thallium is a chemical element with a symbol TI, the atomic oh. number 81. Yeah. It's a soft, highly electrically conducting metal with a low melting point uh, of around 304 degrees Celsius. I think they make um, transmission lines out of thallium. <laughs> when all you've got <laughs> is transmission lines, yeah. everything looks like a um, the thallium used to make transmission lines. So true. As, as they say. Um, thallium is used for infrared optics. Uh, it's used in the construction of photoresistors, and it's previously been used in nuclear mm-hmm. cardiography uh, and as a rat poison. Although, Oh, now it's coming back to me. Thallium? No, I'm thinking, keep going. Um, nuclear they, stuff. They were discontinued because they found better ways of doing um, nuclear cardiography and also because they better ways of... Uh, exterminating rats as well. Uh, it was yeah. discovered independently by two scientists, um, Claude Auguste Lamy and Sir William Crookes. Um, both of them successfully isolated the element by 1862, but uh, Crookes was the first to publish about it. So suck it, Claude Auguste. Yeah. Uh, it was named thallium from the Greek thallos, meaning uh, a green shoot or twig. Um, now they, they called it that due to thallium's bright green spectral emission lines. Ooh. Uh, yeah. So they're doing that thing where you, you burn it or whatever, and then burn you look some at the in colors it. that come Whoa, out. Yeah. yeah. Holy fuck. Chemistry rocks. Don't you want to become a scientist instead of a tradie? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Check out the University of Southern Queensland. Yeah. Um, this is uh, from Crooks. This is from his account of discovering an anomalous substance while attempting to extract tellurium from a seleniferous deposit, which we've all done. Uh, he recounted this in the June 1861 edition of the London, Edinburgh and Dublin Philosophical Magazine and Journal of Science. Uh, he wrote thusly. In the purest state that I have as yet succeeded in obtaining this substance, it communicates as definite a reaction to the flame as soda. Like the tr- the fake country off the side of England for Thomas the Tank Engine? Soda? Yeah. Is that what that's called? Oh, you're saying S-O-D-A. Uh, yeah, I think like baking soda or... Ah, okay. No, I was thinking S-O-D-O-R, the uh, fake country that uh, Thomas the Tank Engine exists in. Or Which I believe I is it's... actually from someone frantically shouting, sold the door. <laughs> you remember that TV remember show that Game everyone was talking about for a while <laughs> there? You guys remember Game of Thrones? Whatever happened to that? I think there were some books as well. Yeah. The Game of Thrones series. That's right. <laughs> um, the smallest trace introduced into the burner of the spectrum apparatus, giving rise to a brilliant green line, perfectly sharp and well-defined upon a black background and almost rivaling the sodium line in brilliancy. I was going to say. One of the brilliant lines, yeah. as we all know. And this, of course, uh, the man was an incredible scientist, 
uh, an incredible chemist. This wouldn't be the only time his research was published. I also have uh, some text to quote you here from an article he had published in the Quarterly Journal of Science in January of 1874. The phenomena I am prepared to attest to are so extraordinary and so directly oppose the most firmly rooted articles of scientific belief, amongst others the ubiquity and invariable action of the force of gravitation, that even now on recalling the details of what I witnessed, there is an antagonism in my mind between reason, which pronounces it to be scientifically impossible, and the consciousness that my senses, both of touch and sight, and these corroborated as they were by the senses of all who were present, are not lying witnesses when they testify against my preconceptions. He's torn. He's seen something. Yeah. He's saying, hey, I know I'm going to dump some shit on you soon. Yeah. Fucking gird your shit because <laughs> your shit's about to be rocked. But the supposition that there is a sort of mania or delusion which suddenly attacks a whole room full of intelligent persons who are quite sane elsewhere and that they all concur to the minutest particulars the details of the occurrences of which they suppose themselves to be witnesses seems to my mind more incredible than even the facts they attest. Oh my God, they got a up-close magician. Yeah, <laughs> he's describing seeing someone make a coin vanish for the first time. Are we all mad? <laughs> or is this young gentleman trafficking with the devil for real? Have our intellectual resources abandoned us? <laughs> Uh, the article from which I'm quoting is titled Notes of an Inquiry into the Phenomena Called Spiritual During the Years 1870 to 1873. Yes. I really like um, that the phenomena called spiritual, it's reminiscent to me of how chiropractic sounds like an adjective, yeah. but they use it as a noun. Yeah. Spiritual, I think of as being an adjective, a spiritual experience. Um, mm -hmm. Here is more from that article. The subject is far more difficult and extensive than it appears. Four years ago, I intended only to devote a leisure month or two to ascertain whether certain <laughs> marvellous occurrences I have heard about <laughs> would stand the test of close scrutiny. That rocks. Why can't we have leisure months That's, anymore? What a lifestyle. You're like, well, I have a couple of leisure months at my disposal this year, yeah, so I might be taking perchance, a leisure month uh, in late spring. I shall inquire into spiritual for a month or so and just see what comes out of it having however soon arrived at the same conclusions as i may say every impartial inquirer that there was quote something in it i could not as a student of nature's laws refuse to follow the inquiry wheresoever the facts might lead now you might note that the title of that article was notes of an inquiry into the phenomena called spiritual during the years 1870 to 1873 so his leisure month or so turned yeah, into he got a few in he had a leisure three years going on there. And good on him because he used that time to develop um, something of a classification system for paranormal phenomena. Oh. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to read all of them too because some of them are quite tedious, but I am going to read a select few. So this is from uh, a class five event, which oh, is shit. the rising of tables and chairs off the ground without <laughs> contact with any person. Oh, yeah. Which is a classic, I think, of the like 1800s spiritual mediumship. Ah, chair. I don't think anyone could, uh, no one could argue against that classification either. 
of it being class five. Yeah. I don't know if this is necessarily a power ranking, <laughs> although they do seem to get better over time, so maybe it is. <laughs> Quote, a remark is generally made when occurrences of this kind are mentioned. Why is yeah. it only yeah. tables and chairs which do these things? <laughs> That's, that is a good point. So he's having a little fun with it as well. He yeah. knows how ridiculous this is, but, but there is a little, like so many things, there's... There's something to it. There's a kernel here. Yeah, there's a little proof within the pudding. Yeah. Why is this property peculiar to furniture? If he was saying this in a different way, this is definitely a stand-up routine. Yeah. You guys ever notice that it's only tables and chairs that get levitated during Victorian seances? What is the deal with that? I might reply that I only observe and record facts (laughs) and do not profess to enter into the why and wherefore. (laughs) (laughs) stop asking (laughs) but indeed it will be obvious that if a heavy inanimate body in an ordinary dining room has to arrive off the floor it cannot very well be anything else but a table or a chair yeah no he's got you there doesn't he well i mean there's gonna be what about like a side table i guess it's a table pantry i guess the presumption is that it's always going to happen in a house right like you very infrequently see scenes of, like, someone in a forest. Yes. And all the, like, toads start rising up. That is true. You rarely see a levitating yeah. toad. And then they throw them at you. Yeah. Well, Except for in that one Star Wars movie. What was up with that little guy? It's my belief that Yoda is a little frog creature of some kind. <laughs> He's a little reptilian fella. Why does he look like that? <laughs> Only five hands high. <laughs> Um, <laughs> that this pres- pr- sorry that this propensity is not specially attached to furniture. I have abundant evidence. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But like other experimental demonstrators, the intelligence or power, whatever it may be, which produces these phenomena, can only work with the materials which are available. In a dining room, you only have tables and chairs. Yeah. So that's what they're going to levitate. Maybe if you put some barbells in there. They'd start lifting those. <laughs> well, again, like, yeah, okay. So there's always, so if you're in a house, it's always going to have tables and chairs. But why is it always in a house? Yeah. Maybe, how about do this at the library? Yeah. Do this. What a sex shop. Do this at a Victorian era sex shop. <laughs> On five separate occasions, a heavy dining table rose between a few inches and one and a half feet off the floor under special circumstances which rendered trickery impossible. Yeah. Cool. They're in the Magneto prison. I'm thinking I'm thinking trickery. I'm I'm no, still with trickery. Come on. No. There's a chance for trickery. I don't. Well, we'll see. On another occasion, a heavy table rose from the floor in full light while I was holding the medium's hands and feet. <laughs> Which <laughs> you gotta kind of picture the post. <laughs> what do you reckon? Medium is holding their own feet, and then he, in turn, is holding <laughs> the medium's hands so that he's sort of got them all clamped down. It's so funny. Like, this completely serious man, otherwise, getting just, like, fucking danger-fielded. <laughs> he goes mad. Oh, and he passed a hula hoop the whole way around his body. <laughs> On another occasion, the table rose from the floor, not only when no person was touching it, 
but under conditions which I had prearranged so as to assure unquestionable proof of the fact. <laughs> Again, no <laughs> description. So I assume he's in the Magneto prison. Clear walls, nothing in there but a plastic table and chairs. And yet. And yet. And yet it rises. Um, and then we, we come to class six. The levitation of human beings. Oh, shit. Yeah, the real deal, the big yeah. leagues. This has occurred in my presence on four occasions in darkness. <laughs> Great start. I was in a pitch black room and some crazy shit happened, I believe. Yeah. And I said, hey, can I turn the light on so I can see that? They said, no. Oh, we're out of lamp oil. I'm so sorry. The test conditions under which they took place were quite satisfactory, so far as the judgment was concerned. But ocular demonstration of such a fact is so necessary to disturb our preformed opinions as to the naturally possible and impossible that I will here only mention cases in which the deductions of reason were confirmed by my sense of sight. Yeah. So he's got to see it to believe it. Yeah. I have definitely witnessed it at times when I haven't seen it, but I'm only going to tell you about the times where I've witnessed it by seeing it. I have felt some tables rising like you would not believe. Yeah. Didn't see it, though. Yeah. I just, you know, when it happens, you just know. This guy's a science man through and through. That's right. He discovered uh, thallium. Thorium, yeah. Thorium. (laughs) Yeah, one of them. The most striking case of levitation, which I have witnessed, have been with Mr. Home. And we'll get into Mr. Home later. On three separate occasions, I have seen him raised completely from the floor of the room. Once sitting in an easy chair, once kneeling on his chair, and once standing up. On each occasion, I had full opportunity of watching the occurrence as it was taking place. That just seems like a minimum for a scientific test. Why are you like... And also, there were other opportunities where I wasn't watching, but he swear to God it happened. Yeah. You don't need to include those. Hey, were you levitating behind me just then? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was. Yeah. yeah. You betcha. Oh, it was a good one, too. <laughs> Three feet. <laughs> there are at least a hundred recorded instances of Mr. Holmes rising from the ground in the presence of as many separate persons. A hundred levitations, a hundred people. That's a promise. So, 10,000 witnesses or a hundred <laughs> witnesses? Where are we going here? I think, yeah, 10,000, definitely. There were a hundred different people for each of those hundred. Yeah. The whole township of Serena saw it happen. <laughs> Check out Serena. Have <laughs> <laughs> you ever thought, is there anything 35 kilometers south of Mackay? You betcha. Well, in a sense, there's a town there, but in a sense, there's nothing really there. Uh,. I have heard from the lips of the three witnesses to the most striking occurrence of this kind. So these are his three witnesses. The Earl of Dunraven, Lord Lindsay, and <laughs> Captain C. Wynne. <laughs> Which actually reminds me of a diet that I've been yeah, on recently. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Can you tell us more about it? Nope. Their own most minute accounts of what took place. Don't really understand how that fit to the sentence, but... To reject the recorded evidence on this subject is to reject all human testimony whatever. <laughs> For no fact sure. in sacred or profane history is supported by a stronger array of proofs. Man. Yeah. Until something was documented by a photograph, at which point it was insanely surpassed. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this is amazing. If you don't believe that these three guys saw a man levitate, then you can't believe 
What do you believe? Anything. Yeah, we may as well, the whole human you endeavor, trust these guys? throw it in the bin. Uh, next, I have class seven, which is movement of various small articles without contact with any person. How is that different from class five? Um, well, class five is large objects. Oh, no, sorry. Class five is just tables and chairs. Just ta- yeah. <laughs> tables and chairs. Need their own spot in the taxonomy. Yeah. Under this heading, I propose to describe some special phenomena which I have witnessed. I can do a little more here than allude to some of the more striking facts, all of which, be it remembered, have occurred under circumstances that render trickery impossible. Again. Magneto present. Yeah, Back in I, che- I checked. But it is idle to attribute these results to trickery. For I would again remind my readers that what I relate has not been accomplished at the house of a medium, but in my own house, where preparations have been quite impossible. A medium, walking into my dining room, cannot, while seated in one part of the room with a number of persons keenly watching him, by trickery make an accordion play in my own hand when I hold it keys downwards. They can't do that. They can't do that, no. no. Or it didn't happen. They also can't cause the same accordion to float about the room playing all the time. I love the concept. It's just a, <laughs> a line of magicians going like, yeah, you gotta get this <laughs> you gotta get this guy. You'll believe anything. Literally anything. Watch this. I'm doing my weird owl bit around the room, but he's pretty sure that the accordion yeah. is oh, levitating itself. Do I need to do I need to clean my room? Uh, no, no, no. You, you can go to his place. He'll host. Uh, He cannot introduce machinery which will wave window curtains or pull up Venetian blinds eight feet off, or tie a knot in a handkerchief and place it in a far corner of a room, or sound notes on a distant piano, or cause a card plate to float about the room, or raise a water bottle and tumbler from the table, or make a coral necklace rise on end, or cause a fan to move about and fan the company, or set in motion a pendulum which enclosed in a glass case firmly cemented to the wall. So this guy, okay. Yeah. So he's either being tricked by tricksters mm. or he's like the single greatest conduit for psychic energy that the world has ever seen. Yeah, I think that those are the two options at this stage. And I maybe further information we learn might tip you one way or the other, but I'm okay. leaning on he is the single greatest conduit for psychical energy that has ever existed on this earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up we have class 9 this is the appearance of hands either self-luminous or visible by ordinary light so glowing or non-glowing appearance of hands the appearance of hands like not like a German guy <laughs> <laughs> the appearance of hands somewhat handsome in my yeah. opinion very mm. different from the appearance of Mr. Hands <laughs> God rest his soul. <laughs> yeah. A beautifully formed small hand rose up from an opening in a dining table and gave me a flower. <laughs> and then it jacked my dick off. <laughs> could, could, could trickery achieve <laughs> my penis? What, are you suggesting I had some sort of no-touch orgasm? The mind beggars. (laughs) It appeared and then disappeared three times at intervals, affording me ample opportunity of satisfying myself that it was real 
it appears. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> this guy got the real stranger. Yeah. This occurred in the light in my own room whilst I was holding the medium's hands and feet. Again. <laughs> put, the, put the medium into crab pose. I think, you've already narrowed it down, bro. It's not the hands or feet. It's got to be these. Let me touch them. Be one, I got to hold them. Six-hour session, by the way. On another occasion, a small arm, like a baby's, appeared playing about a lady who was sitting next to me. It then passed to me and patted my arm and pulled my coat several times. (laughs) 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 Mm -hmm. At another time, a finger and thumb were seen to pick the petals from a flower in Mr. Holmes' buttonhole and lay them in front of several persons who were sitting near him. I'll have these. Now you can have them back. A hand has been repeatedly seen by myself and others playing the keys of an accordion, uh, both of the medium's hands being visible at the same time and sometimes being held by those near him. Yeah, so it wasn't his arms and hands, and as far as we know, those are the only arms and hands apart from our own. Can yeah. you see any others? Got to be the arms and hands of the angels themselves. Uh-huh. So he concludes this article with several... Well, eight. Eight theories that could explain these things that he's witnessed. Um, the first, he says, uh, is that the phenomena are all the results of tricks, clever mechanical arrangements, or ledger domain. Sure. Yeah. The mediums are imposters and the rest of the company fools. Now, yeah. he's saying this one be it. in a sort of, it's obviously not this yeah, way. Yeah, just to get it out of the way. Yeah. He also... Uh, dismisses the next two that he's about to present. The persons at a seance are the victims of a sort of mania or delusion and imagine phenomena to occur which have no real objective existence. Yeah. Yeah, yeah sort it, of like the... Um, or what is it? Well, shit, I was going to say the um, the the fucking uh, Ouija board, right? But that was, that, that was trickery. Um, that was number one. That's actually... that. So that falls under... Uh, well, depending on who's doing it, that either falls under one or the next theory, theory okay. three, which is the whole is the result of conscious or unconscious cerebral action. Yeah. Which I think is meant to be the thing with Ouija boards. Is well, that yeah. That, so now it is. So, so, yeah, that's right. You know, you or someone else is moving. Yeah. That's why everyone's got to, ha- got to have their hands on there. But, but originally, yeah. um, the girls that came up with it, it was, uh, just, it was just them. It. They were just moving it. Yeah. Which is the, like, the best shit. kind of hoax. How is yeah. this thing moving? Oh, it's the people that are holding it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, didn't consider that at all. Uh, so the, those first three of the theories that he doesn't believe, um, because obviously they're Just getting ridiculous. them out of the way because they're ridiculous. Yes, yes. Start with the most absurd ones and then build mm-hmm. to the more realistic ones. Uh, theory four, uh, it's the result of the spirit of the medium, perhaps in association with the spirits of some or all of the people present. Yep. Yeah. Oh, he's splitting them up. He's got, he's getting into specifics as to whose spirit is actually moving the stuff. Yeah, that's right. So all of them from four to eight are paranormal. They're just right. different kinds of paranormal explanation. Now I thought. Mm. Now this is just me. Um, um, look, I don't know that much about about this uh, spiritology stuff. Mm-hmm. Now I thought that spirits were the the ghosts and the essence of those who had gone beyond because. 
I can't imagine that my spirit would do anything because it's it's busy right now. Yes, it's driving my body. Your body, yeah. yeah. It is piloting the wet mecca of your body. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm also quite confused about that one. Uh, I don't know if he's. Is, why would your spirit be acting at odds with you? Your mind. Oh, that he's like that. The medium is like, hey, come on, guys. It's a big lift. Use your knees, etc. Yeah. That he's drawing their spirits out of them. Yeah, and then mm. getting them to lift some tables. And is chairs. the is the spirit just sort of clinging you to you like um, Anadamas to? <laughs> oh, the 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 simulated <laughs> the sex, sex scene work. from yeah. Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I thought you were talking about those dreams you've had where Anadamas <laughs> is clinging to you. Either is fine, actually. <sighs> we love Anadamas, don't we? <laughs> Theory one, Anadamas <laughs> is, is a hologram. <laughs> Theory two. Um, I quite like this next one. Uh, this is Theory five. The actions of evil spirits or devils personifying who or what they please in order to undermine Christianity and ruin men's souls. (laughs) They're lifting tables and chairs to send you to hell. Yeah. Holy fuck. I no longer believe in the light of heaven. Yeah, that's right. I have decided to ditch my personal relationship with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because Mm -hmm. someone made an accordion play in the room that I was in. So I'm tapping out. Yeah, I mean, that's why I stopped being religious, too. There was no spirits involved. I just heard an accordion play. <laughs> yeah. No loving God no loving invent God. this <laughs> instrument. Uh, theory six, the actions of a separate order of beings able to live... Sorry, the actions of a separate order of beings living on this earth, but yep. invisible and immaterial to us. Yeah, oh, so like not- an extra-dimensional sort of guy. Oh, a sort of Jacques Vallée... Um, apparition type thing. Yeah. So he, he does go on to explain further here. Uh, so they're able, however, to occasionally manifest their presence, known in almost all countries and ages as demons, gnomes, fairies, <laughs> kobolds, elves, goblins, etc. <laughs> Those are all. <laughs> okay, given I'm working by D&D rules here. Yes. Those are all significantly different classes of beings. I'm going to say kobolds and goblins are pretty close. Pretty close. They're yeah. cousins. Including they, gnomes They and get that. together for some cousin shit. Somewhat insulting. Elves right out. Uh, yeah. Fairies. Yeah, I don't know. The kobolds. Having kobolds in the list is the funniest shit to it's me. It's so I funny. Sometimes forget it might, be, the it might did. be some sort of mutant dragon. We don't know. Yeah, they might be these tiny little goblinoid dragon creatures and they might be playing the accordion it, it could be a creature whose evolutionary path spent too long in a in a pond yeah sort of like a small wet man <laughs> that barks at you <laughs> i come from the go- from the blood of dragons <laughs> <laughs> silly creature uh, theory seven, the actions of departed human beings. So this is just ghosts. Uh, and he describes this one as the spiritual theory par excellence. <laughs> so that's the one most people go to. It's, the, <laughs> it's ghosts doing it. <laughs> that's the champagne theory. <laughs> that's just ghosts. You got to, I mean, you got to admit, you thought it was ghosts coming at th- this. It's like, ah, oh, ghosts. Oh, you thought it was ghost? The basic bitch explanation? (laughs) 
His eighth and final one. I don't really understand how this is different from the fourth theory, except that it sounds cooler. Uh, This is the psychic force theory, here described by the man who coined the term, Mr. Uh Sergeant Cox. (laughs) Thank you, Mr. Sergeant (laughs) Cox. Quote, the theory of psychic force is in itself merely the recognition of the now almost undisputed fact that under certain conditions, as yet but imperfectly ascertained, (laughs) as yet but imperfectly ascertained, oh, as yet but imperfectly ascertained. Yeah, yeah, we've only, yeah, yeah. Uh, And within limited but as yet undefined (laughs) distance Uh from the bodies of certain persons having a special nerve organization, a force operates by which, without muscular contact or connection, Action at a distance is caused, and yeah. visible motions and audible sounds uh-huh. produced in solid substances. <laughs> He's talking about no-touch orgasm again. He's either talking about the force from Star Wars or no-touch orgasms, <laughs> but only if you've got a special nerve organization. Yeah. Not everyone has that. So he does like 80% of the way there. He doesn't pick a favorite of these theories, although okay. he spends far more time on the psychic force theory. He has like eight paragraphs about it in there. Um, there are some other possible explanations um, that I'd like to maybe get into. So there's one thing about Sir William Crooks you should probably know um, is that he was basically blind. He was unbelievably short-sighted. <laughs> so <laughs> he might have, this might have been a Mr. Magoo situation. <laughs> Except if instead of, like, wandering onto a boat that then crossed the river and then stepping off the boat onto the other side without noticing that he's done it, uh, a series of fraudulent mediums have tricked him by doing stuff and just telling him that it happened. Now, you did put down a little bit of sizzle at the start of this, but uh, that was not... (laughs) I was just like, he's just getting... There was just a a troop, a troop of uh, circus folk that were were all lining up to take turns dunking on this guy. (laughs) But no. Uh, yeah, he's just... Oh, um, look at the table. I guess. <laughs> I, I, I believe it if you tell me. Yeah. But also, what I see is the only thing I believe. Oh, it's so funny as well. Yeah, I have, to, I have to get rid of all of the examples where I couldn't quite make it out, except that's none of them. Anthropologist Edward Clodd described him as, quote, so short-sighted that despite his unquestioned honesty, he cannot be trusted in telling you what he's seen. With biographer William Hodson Brock noting that although he did wear corrective glasses, he didn't start doing so until 1890, which was, you know, like 20 years after these experiments. Yeah, at which point all the magic in the world disappeared. Yeah, something something changed. I guess it was the end of history. Hmm. Uh, The second thing you need to know about him is that he was just an unbelievable rube. Uh, He was very (laughs) easily tricked and duped. (laughs) Um, So these these are some of the people that tricked him. Uh, oh, so man. that the study that we read all that stuff from the 1970 to 1973 is three years of leisure documenting fraudsters, except God. believing they're real. What a life! Uh, yeah, you Just discover being thallium. led like by your nose from thing to thing, being like, oh, this is a true scientific discovery by me." Yep, Doctor Magoo. They're going to remember this. Some guys on a podcast in 150 years' time will be celebrating my discoveries. Um, so he would have enjoyed podcasts too, being an audio medium. That's true. He would have loved that. He would have been like, God, this is very clear. <laughs> I can make out all of this. 
Uh, the three people that he studied in that study were Kate Fox, Florence Cook, and Daniel Dunglas Home. <laughs> Dunglas with an N. David. Which is Daniel. Daniel Douglas Home. Daniel Douglas Home. So he was the Mr. Home that he was talking about uh, in the levitation portion mm-hmm. there. So I'll start with Kate uh, Kate Cox. Um, Kate Cox was one of the Cox sisters. Uh, they were two women who became famous as mediums because of mysterious knocking sounds that yeah. occurred around them that they would get people to be like, oh, my God, there's knocking happening. Um, they were sort of like the start of the trend of this sort of thing. Uh, they were fraudsters. Like that's that's uh, the, very what, easily what, explained. What, what, what? So, uh, after witnessing the knocking firsthand, Crooks decided they were absolutely positively the real deal <laughs> uh, because that's the sort of thing that he does. And then. <laughs> Later on in 1888, the sisters were offered $1,500 by a reporter if they revealed their methods, at which point they put on a live show and in front of a live audience, they produced the mysterious rapping noises and then demonstrated to a doctor that they were doing it by cracking the joints in their toes. Hell yes. Yeah. Ooh. I do that every morning. Yeah. You could have, if you were in the 1800s, you could have cleaned up. Fuck me. By I going from house to house. bucks. Yeah. That's enough to buy like a tenement. Yeah, probably. You Maybe could be a slumlord. Small slum. Yeah. You can read in the article about a new person who owns 20 tenements. Say the line, I was able to crack my toe joints and make it sound <laughs> as if it was mysterious rapping. Um, Florence Cook, the, the second person that was involved in his experiments, she was also a documented fraud. Uh, her trick was she would summon a spirit named Katie King into the room. Now, this trick's actually quite elaborate. The way she pulled this off is that she would sit down in a dark room at a table with a bunch of people as a seance, and then she would very quietly get up and pretend to be (laughs) Katie King. So she should just walk around and be like, do a different voice. Whose hands and feet do you reckon he was holding? <laughs> Possibly his own. <laughs> uh, there was one famous incident where uh, at one of these seances, a witness named George Sitwell stood up, grabbed the spirit, Katie King, by the arms, and then just pointed to the empty chair where Florence Cook was meant to be sitting. <laughs> Everyone's like, wait, oh, oh that's just you. <laughs> These people are so dumb. Man. It it rules, like, just on a fundamental level how much stupider people used to be. I mean, we're pretty stupid now, but... Yeah. You just turn the lights off while they didn't go and uh, snuff all the candles. Yeah, you just do everything by, like, one candle and everyone's I'm like... I'm still in the seat. <laughs> Don't look over to your right. Uh, Daniel Douglas Home had a a similar trick to Florence Cook in that all of his levitations were conducted in a dark room because that makes them more powerful. Yeah, that makes the ghosts come out. Yeah. So in the when uh, Crooks was talking about him, uh, he described the, quote, most striking occurrence of this kind, which was the one that was witnessed by our friends, the Earl of Dunraven, Lord Lindsay, and Captain C. Wynne. Mm-hmm. Um, their accounts are all completely different. Like someone went back and had a look and none of them described the same thing happening. 
and the supposedly incredible levitation that he pulled off in that instance, which was levitating clean out the window of one room <laughs> and then back in through the window of another room. Which must have been a sight to see. Yeah, except they couldn't see it. Um, yeah. Someone went and sort of looked at the, the place where this happened and it easily could have been achieved by stepping across a four-foot gap between balconies. Uh-huh. And uh, the, the person who investigated also noted there was like a 19-inch ledge outside the window that he probably could have just like stood on the ledge, on. waited, and then... Yeah. Yeah. That's so uh, cool. That's yeah. probably the first and only thing I would check. If someone went out a window and then came in back another window... Yeah. I'd be checking, is there a four-inch ledge there? Yeah. Could he have just stepped across? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he was also duped by the fraudulent medium Anna Ava Fay. I'm just going to read you a couple of paragraphs from Wikipedia here. In a series of experiments in London at the house of William Crooks in February 1875, Fay managed to fool Crooks into believing she had genuine psychic powers. Crooks had Fay hold two electrodes in an electrical circuit connected with a galvanometer? Yeah, uh, that's that's a voltometer. Yeah, in an adjoining room. A movement of objects occurred in the room and a music instrument was played. Crooks was convinced that the electrical control had not been broken. So instead of, like, watching her, he has made her part of a circuit, so there's no way she could have not been part of the circuit yep. to use her hands, right? So odd way to conduct the experiment. Hands but I guess are the only electrically conductive thing on the human as body. Far as, I, as far as I understand. That's right, yeah. Uh... I yeah, the, the way this is described really makes it sound like he's like, and now I will leave the room and go into the other room. Good luck in there. <laughs> Psychical researchers point out that Faye could have used other parts of her body or a resistance coil to maintain the electric current intact, whilst her hands could be free to produce the phenomena during the experiment. She confessed in 1913 to Eric Dingwall that she had duped <laughs> crooks and other scientists. She was investigated by the magician Harry Houdini, to whom, after her retirement in 1924, she confessed fraud and revealed the tricks that she had used. Yeah. Fade told Houdini she had used on the Crook's galvanometer test. Uh, she had gripped one handle of the battery beneath her knee joint, keeping the circuit unbroken, leaving one hand free. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, so the incredible trick she did was using a hand to play the musical instrument and move some objects around while holding... Holding an electrode in a in a knee joint. Incredible. This man is dumb as fuck. He's... But he is <laughs> one of the two dads of Thallium. Thank you. Yeah. Can't take that thallium. away from him. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Thallium. Thanks, thallium. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it was both. It was, he was both incredibly blind and there was just a lineup of yeah. like tricksters yeah. to, to take advantage of. Yeah, that's right. He that could rules. barely see and he was incredibly credulous. And, and he this... was known for being such. Yeah, and people would just be like, fuck it, I'll have a go. Yeah, this guy's dumb as hell. He'll believe anything. Yeah, he'll put you in a book. He'll publish you in a scientific journal and say that you're real. Yeah. I got onto this story because I was reading... Um... Oh, I might do this at a Wikipedia later date, so I don't want to spoil it too much. No. Thallium. I was... <laughs> yeah, that's right. Started with Thallium and got here. I was reading a, a paper published in a like U.S. Army magazine in the seventies about Soviet psychic research, mm-hmm. and there was a bit in there where they're like, "Well, we've actually done our own quite serious look into it, such as the famous scientist Sir William Crookes." I'm like, oh wow, <laughs> that must be pretty cool. <laughs> let's, let's see what he has to say. <laughs> yeah, not much, hmm. not much useful. Well, thank you so much, Ben. 
Oh, was, you're welcome, and thank you. That was that was wonderful. Um, now I've got uh, something here from uh, listener Amara who got in touch with a few things, um, which is very much appreciated that, that they didn't just chuck it in the show chat and uh, then everyone appreciate can see it. it. Yeah, uh, and I'm also uh, very sleepy, so I don't really have a lot of time to go reading articles. So it was it was very very nice to see this turn up in my inbox. Thank you, Amara. Um, and one of the things they sent me is a um, is a website called the Cresque Project, C R E S Q U E S, which is a project in which an uh, aerospace engineer by the name of Juan Siva uh, has been collecting and translating uh, antique maps from the mapmakers of uh, Majorca. Um, but he, to my understanding, um, there is a there is a map called the Catalan Atlas um, from 1375 and it's a very important um, medieval map and it was translated but um, into I guess Mallorca that would be Spanish or Catalan there's probably some slight difference in there um, and he, he worked with, uh, with, with translators to then translate that into English which is what uh, I present to you today. So um, a fun fact about this map is it's the first, um, first map to present a uh, compass rose. Um, oh. So you know the north, south, east, west. Mm. All those, spikes. the fun little in-between ones as well. Yeah. Um, it's got one. As yep. far as we know, it's the first one to got one. That's wild. Yeah. Um, now it's presented on like six panels, I think, but the first few are just them talking about the, about the map. Um, so then it's panel three, four, five, and six. Um, and this is sort of to your um, story, Ben, the things that people would be told and then believe and then write down in a historical record of fact uh, is very fun to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and did I mention, sorry, this is by, um, uh, sorry, it's called the Crescus Project because this map was attributed to Cresque uh, Abraham in 1375. And I'm going to say that word Crescus different each time. Yeah, that's fun. So um, the the map goes from east to west, uh, from west to east rather. So starting um, all the way over on the uh, western side of Africa and the UK and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And then it proceeds east uh, to the Indies and China and that sort of stuff. And it, you'll notice a, a Slide in specificity as we move <laughs> eastward as, <laughs> as well. Uh-huh. But <coughs> let's start uh, close to home, uh, panel 3.1. In Hibernia, Ireland, there are many wonderful islands whose existence can be credible. Among them, there is a small one where men can never die because <laughs> when they're about to die of old age, they are transported outside the island. <laughs> so, Ooh, the island where men never die. <laughs> Sorry, wow. coughs. Get in the fucking boat. <laughs> Technically, you can't die here. <laughs> there are no snakes, frogs, nor poisonous spiders because the soil repels them, mm. given that this is where uh, Lakuri Island or... or Clear Island now, I guess, is located. Furthermore, there are trees that attract birds like ripe figs. 
there is another island where women never give birth because when they are about to give birth, they are taking outside the island as it is customary. What are you talking about? <laughs> Should I go? It's not the island for it. No. You can <laughs> give birth on the island where people don't die and you can die on the island where people don't give birth. That's right. Yeah. But this is a no birth island. God damn. Probably shouldn't have even come here if you're pregnant. Oh, I saw you holding your tummy there. Oh. Was that a... Hmm? Oh, no, better you... get moving. Okay. <clears throat> uh, panel 3.4. The Fortunate Islands, Canary Islands, are found in the Great Sea towards, towards the left and near the end of Occident, but out at sea. Uh, left. Yep. Okay. All right. Uh, Isidore says in his 15 book that these islands are called Fortunate because they are replete with all sorts of goods, cereals, fruits, herbs, and trees. Pagans believe this is the paradise due to the mild sun and plentifulness of the land. Isidore also says that the trees reach 140 foot of height and they are full of fruit and birds. Here there is honey and milk, in particular in the island of Capraria, thus named due to the multitude of goats. There is also the island of Canaria, thus named due to the multitude of Ben. Now, you're giving me the Stephen Fry on QI oh, asking yeah. Alan Davies a question look yeah. so that he can say the obvious answer, and then you can go, <laughs> oh, bother. <laughs> oh, Alan, you're a cunt. Um, it's not canaries, I guess. No, it's dogs. Oh. Canary Islands is named thusly for dogs because there's lots of dogs. Yeah. Uh, big and strong. Yeah. Um, Pleus. Master of Mapiamundi says that among the Fortunate Islands there is one with all the goods of the world because fruits grow at the top of the mountains without planting or seeding. Trees are never left bare of leaves or without their aromatic fruits. They eat all these things during part of the year for which they reap the grass the other part. This is why the pagans from the Indies believe that their souls go to these islands when they die where they live in eternity off the scent of those fruits. They believe it to be their paradise, but that but the truth is that is a fable. Yeah, well, so we he's not dealing in yeah he's not dealing in in make believe as will uh, as will work out. He's not trafficking in the fantastic. Certainly. No, no. Uh, uh, off to Africa where things get dicey. Uh, all this mountain range is called Karina by the Saracens. Saracens, I found out, is a is an old um, like in the medieval sense is a word for Muslims. They're called Muslim Saracens. Oh, I guess I never really questioned it. I thought they were a distinct ethnic group. Yeah, so it took on ethnic meaning a little bit later, but, um, you know, during the the um, the medieval, you know, especially 13, 1400s, I think, um, you know, there was a big um, uh, Islamic uh, move through Africa, right? So, so a lot of Africa and then eventually Spain and stuff became... Uh, Islamic and uh, and so they were the Saracens, not not a not an ethnic group. Oh, that's uh, quite interesting. Does it say anything hmm. about Mamluks? No. Hmm. Okay. Um. So it's called Serena by the Saracens and Claris Mountains by the Christians. Let it be known that in these mountains exist many good cities and castles that battle each other. Hmm. I just enjoy that that vision of just the like castles just hurling rocks at each other, yeah, battle like castles, settlers too, or something. Yeah. Uh, panel three dot nine. Um, the merchants that entered the land of the Negroes of Ghana, you could just say of Ghana, mm. pass through this place. Um, 
panel 3.10. And this is somewhere central Africa, somewhere around Ch- uh, Chad. Uh, this black lord is called Musi Meli. You could just say lord. Uh, it's very it's strange. Do you think it's the novelty of it that's... Uh, I, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and it's uh, the sovereign of the land of the Negroes of Ghana. You could just say Ghana. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's leave Africa for a while. It's probably smart. Um, move on to uh, panel four, which covers Central Europe, the Middle East, Northeastern Africa. Um, the Baltic Sea uh, is called the Sea of La Mancha, the Sea of Gotilandia, and the Sea of Susia. Let it be known that this sea is frozen during six months of the year, that is to say from mid-October until mid-March, and it is so hard that one can cross on top of it with an ox cart. So if you've got an ox cart to take over, those are the months that you uh, that you need to go. Um, panel 4.6. Uh, this lake is, we, we think it's probably Lake Ilmen, which is sort of, I think, Polandish. I'm going to get that wrong, so don't take me for that. Um, is called this, and sturgeons and other strange fish grow on it. Sturgeon are very strange fish. Yeah. Got all those eggs in them. And they're fucking huge. No one yeah. ever says, oh, by the way, sturgeon are the kind of size where if you saw one, you would lose your mind, like Cthulian horror size. Mm-hmm. I haven't actually seen one in real life. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, I don't think we've got them over here. We're Man, a sturgeonless country. Mm, the sweet, valuable eggs. Give me those. Uh, so uh, panel panel five then describes the area around Persian Gulf and the Caspian Sea. And uh, I think this is where things start to take a bit of a, a, bit of a, a dive oh, this from uh, fact-based. Mm. Um, <clears throat> panel 5.3 is somewhere around Afghanistan. Let it be known that those that wish to cross the desert stop and rest during a week in a city called Lop. Stop and rest during a week in yep. a city named Lop. Okay. Here, expeditions and their animals relax slash enjoy themselves. After that, they procure what is needed for the next seven months of the journey because in the desert, one travels an entire day and night before reaching potable water. However, every day and a half, they can find plenty of it, enough for 50 or 100 people or even more. Uh <laughs> And if it happens that a rider, tired by the journey, falls asleep, or for any other reason he separates from his companions, he will often hear the voices of the devils, similar to the voices of his companions, often calling him by his own name. That might be, if you're lost, that might be actually your companions, maybe. That's companions, I think. Yeah. Yeah. In this way, the devils take him through the desert to and fro such that the traveler cannot find his companions. A thousand stories are known about this desert. Uh, panel 5.6, which um, is somewhere in Iran. This city is named the Great Nineveh, and it was destroyed because of its sins. It's a shame. Yeah. So, Why put it on the map? Yeah, I wouldn't plan any journeys there. Yeah. yeah. Um, 5.8, which is around the coast of Iran and the Gulf of Oman, as far as I could tell. Uh, this city is named Hormes, and is the beginning of the Indies. Let it be known that to this city ships arrive that have eight and ten masts with reed sails. That's crazy. That's so, so many that masts. Out. Yeah. Yep. You don't have to say let it be known at the start of things that you're telling people. Oh, he lets it be known. They'll know it 
of their own volition. I think this was the 1370s version of saying, buckle the fuck up. because yep. they're Strap <laughs> because in, chuckle dicks, it's time for a thread. It's time for ships with eight and ten masts. I mean, that is, that's an awful lot of masts. Yeah. Uh, panel 5 to 11. Arabia Seba, which is Saudi Arabia. The province that had Queen Seba, now it belongs to the Arab Saracens. And in it, they're very good aromas, as well as myrrh and frankincense. Mm. So check out that place. It smells good. Gold, silver, and precious stones are plentiful. And there you can find a bird named Phoenix. Oh, mm. sweet. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> uh, panel 5.12. In the Indian Ocean, where there are fishermen and very rich islands... The fishermen that descend into the sea say their incantations before diving into the sea, and in this way, they dispel the fish. In the event that they do not say them, the fish devour them. And this has been demonstrated. (laughs) (laughs) I hope it's in a tamper-proof environment designed by Sir William Crooks that this was demonstrated. Um, And so panel six is the last panel, and it's just sort of like... um, it's just a bit of everything from Turkey to China, uh-huh. even though it's sort of drawn out there. And I'm trying to make, initially I was trying to make like associations geographically. And then I, I realized it was impossible because he was talking about things that were like half the world away from each other. Um, panel 6.3. These men are chosen to pick diamonds. However, because they cannot climb the mountains where these are found, they cleverly toss pieces of meat where the precious stones lay. The stones adhere to the meat and detach from the rocks. What? <laughs> Wait. You're confused now, but this will this will clear it up. Okay. Later, the stones fall from the meat hoisted by the birds. Thus told it Alexander. Thus told it Alexander. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Alex. All right. Step one. Throw the meat at the diamond. At the diamonds, yeah. The diamond and the meat form a sort of molecular bond. And they they stick together. Yeah. And then birds go, ooh, meat. They use the incredible power of bird strength to rip the diamonds from the rocks because they've grabbed the meat. Yeah. And then the molecular bond between the meat and the diamonds is severed. Yes. And then the diamonds drop down and you get the diamonds. As far as I can tell. Well, no, there's two more steps to this. Oh! One, it must be witnessed or told to uh, Alexander the Great. Right. Yeah. On yeah. his on his great journey and, and um, conquering spree, etc. Yeah. Uh, and then Alexander has to kind of come back and tell it, and it must reach the ears of um, Sir Crescus Barabbas. Yeah. And what point do I let it be known? Uh, now. Yeah. Great. I know that now. That's tremendous. Yeah. You kind of hear it and you go, yeah, that's reasonable. I'm going to put that on my map. Yeah, that sounds about on my, right. On my great medieval map. Damn, I should put this into the historical record. Yeah. Um, panel 6.4. The Caspian Mountains, where Alexander saw trees so tall that their canopies touched the clouds. This is where he almost died had it not been for Satan, who took him out of there using his arts. And with his stratagem, he locked here the Tartarians, God and Magog. 
and for them, he ordered made two metal images above described. Um, I don't really know what the images are there. He locked here many diverse races who don't hesitate to eat all kinds of raw meat. And from this group will come the Antichrist, and their end will be caused by the fire that will fall from the sky and will confound them. Right. So, the Antichrist is from a culture that either has sashimi or ceviche. Yeah. So, we're perhaps looking at a a Japanese or Peruvian Antichrist? Potentially. Do we know anything about the um, dietary habits of the uh, medieval Balkans? I'm thinking maybe a a Serbian Antichrist. Or... Oh man, which who do you reckon invented steak tartare? Oh, the the Tartars? The Tartarians. Yeah, the Tartarians. the Tartarians. I guess that makes sense. Yeah, Tartarian yeah. Antichrist. Shit, okay. Yeah, Gog, <sighs> Gog and Magog, Gog and Magog. Yeah. Well, good that he locked them away, I guess, because otherwise, so he was rescued by Satan. He was rescued by Satan. Yeah. Yeah. Good guy. It's like Satan's like dolphins, I think. Yeah, using his arts, which are it's piling a hot air balloon or whatever it is. Satan's <laughs> are. But then, once rescued by the devil, he's imprisoning the Antichrist, who is too quick to eat raw meat. Yes. Well, from a culture that is too quick to eat raw meat. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, cool. Alex. Uh, six, panel six dot six. And I've just got here Northern Turkey. Mm-hmm. Uh, let it be known that the men and women of this region, once dead, are taken to be cremated, accompanied with instruments and revelry, although the relatives of the deceased cry. And it happens sometimes, now and then, that the wives of the deceased throw themselves into the fire. However, the husbands never throw themselves with the wife. <laughs> Yeah, that's um, wife business, am I right, fellas? <laughs> uh, yeah, go on, honey. I'll be right there with you. I'm not going to do it. I'm not, gonna... I'm not I'm, jumping in the fire. I'm not going in there. What are you guys doing later? You want to sit around a fire? Do whatever it is that we I do? I recently lost my wife. <laughs> I'm about to shortly have recently lost my wife. <laughs> uh, panel 6.9, possibly turkey. Um, here are born men so small that they reach no more than five palmos, approximately <laughs> three feet in height. And although they are small and not apt at all to do heavy labors, they are skillful in weaving and to tend cattle. Let it be known that when these men turn 12, they already procreate. Who's fucking them? Are they just, hang on, are they little guys getting, getting fucked by... Women who love short kings? Yeah, but at the ages of 12, I guess. What yeah, was that unit of know. measurement that, that you said pa- they were? Palmos. Ah, so I have something here on that. Palm OS was a mobile operating system initially <laughs> developed by Palmig for PDAs yeah. in 1996. Five PDAs high. Five PDAs high. <laughs> <laughs> but keep in mind, 12 was like 40 to them. That was 78. Yeah. 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 Uh, and it says here they live until they are 40 years old, which is approximately 900. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's it's hard to tell whether they th- whether he thinks that that is a long time or a short time. Because yeah. like, the weird thing about... <laughs> their miraculous the, longevity, they make yeah. it past 30. If you take the mean uh, like life length of people in medieval times or, or even like going into ancient times, right? 
it's low, but that's because of infant mortality. Yeah, that's that like, thing where people always bust out this statistic that like the average lifespan of an Egyptian was 25. And you're like, well, no one ever lived to 30. It's like, no, a ton of people lived into their 60s. Yeah. But not a lot of people were living through childhood. That's right. I mean, you could, you could, and quite frequently, you know, people just died of old age, right? People just died of old age at that at that point, still, right? Like a lot of the, um, the the Greek masters were really old when they died, like seventies sort of thing. Yeah, the Vikings had to come up with a way of killing their old people because they had an old people problem. Yeah, yeah. turns out big hammer will do it. Yeah, if the cliff <laughs> big, won't, the hammer cliff, will. Big hammer. Yeah, they had they had contingencies in. <laughs> That's right. Oh, get the emergency the hammer. Ah. <laughs> that is why the hammer. <laughs> I have prepared the perfect thing. <laughs> uh, they live an ordinary life without prosperity. <clears throat> is my favorite sentence in the entire thing. An ordinary life without prosperity. No, no, no. Coming up. Oh. Um, they defend themselves from herons, which they eat should they catch them. Ah! Oh my god. Mid-conversation, you hear the telltale whistling noise of a heron making swift passage through the air. You turn around. Jesus Christ. Catch it with your bare hands. Get the get, get the, the rotisserie sticks. ready. <laughs> and oh man, I wish people could see it. But but this is um accompanied by uh little nude men with clubs fighting birds. It is so good. Here ends the land of the Lord of Cathay. Uh, Panel 6.13. Island of the Naked People, where men and women wear a leaf in front and one behind. Oh. Not quite naked, but close. Yeah. Sort of Garden of Eden sort of stuff. I don't think you need the behind leaf. I know that (laughs) times have changed. Yeah. What if I've got to pick something up? (laughs) What if I need to do like a really aggressive... Squat and then lean forward from the squat. <laughs> That's that is way more nude, Ben. I'm gonna. I I have to. Uh, I don't I have think to the, protest. The I reckon the one is... in behind is doing is, it's doing more for less of the time. Because yeah, I reckon uh, if you bend over and and people can see like your whole butthole and yeah. perineum and nut business. Yeah. That's way more nude than them seeing your dingus. I think instead of punitive preventative measures like the butthole leaf, you could instead just actively take steps to not reveal your butthole. If you absolutely have to bend over to pick something up, turn around so that your butthole is not facing the village. What if you can't? What if... <laughs> You're in the middle of a circle. What if something's at the back of the storage room yeah. and my, my little tush is kind of just poking out of the storage room? Yeah, can you reach right back into the back of the granary? Because that's where the good grade is. <laughs> oh, fuck, I wish I'd won the back leaf today. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I was reading re- recently the, the concept that... Um, so people used to go around like not wearing gloves on construction sites and work sites and that sort of thing, right? And, you know, then they'd go and do something dangerous without gloves and they'd hurt themselves really bad. And then people go, you know, wear the gloves, wear the gloves, blah, blah, blah. But they, and what they found was that by forcing people to clip the gloves to their belt, then when a dangerous situation arises, they're more likely to go, oh, you know, I'll just put my, my gloves on mm-hmm. if they've always got them and that's the rule. So the rule should be, I mean, you don't always have to wear your back leaf, but 
have it on your person, just in case you need to bend over. Yeah, where would you keep it? <laughs> you just keep it stuck to your front leaf. On the like, front oh, leaf, fuck. I think. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, double front leaf. It's sort of like those uh, clip-on sunglasses, but you're just clipping on a little extra leaf, just for, mm-hmm. just in case. <laughs> Transition leaves. <laughs> oh, I'm bending over. <laughs> Don't worry, I've got the transition leaf. You won't see a thing. Panel 6.19. These people are savages. They live on raw fish. They drink seawater and go around naked. (laughs) This one seems wildly judgmental compared to all of the others. (laughs) They're they're right off. Not interested. They they drink seawater. They're just naked and puking all the fucking time. This is yuck town. Do not visit. Panel 6.20. In the Sea of the Indies, possibly China Sea, um, there are... And who owns that? Let's get into it. Particularly the southern portion. Southern part. There are 7,548 islands whose wonders of gold, silver, and precious stones we cannot discuss here. No. Let it not be known. Let it not be known. That'd be unseemly. You know, when you see a specific <laughs> number, you're like, well, that's just made that, up. That can't be. That's yep. incredibly fanciful. You've just uh-huh. gone blah, 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 blah on the keyboard. Um, panel 6.21. The island of Trapobana. This island is called Magno Cowley by the Tartars. Tartars? Tartars. <laughs> and it is the last island of the Orient. Oh. Past here, no more. Yeah. Don't yeah. even bother. You say that, you wait 30 years, they're going to make three more. Hmm. The island is inhabited by people that are very different from the rest. There are burly men in some mountains of this island, 12 cubit in height, like giants. That's like four meters, five meters high. Oh, that's, yeah, I mean, that's big. It's not like, could have been bigger. <laughs> Uh, I'm sad to say, they are black and dim-witted. They eat white men and foreigners should they be apprehended. Huh. Huh. Yeah. Uh, for the longest time, I thought that said, and they should be apprehended, <laughs> like someone should do something. <laughs> hey, <laughs> hey it's about time we took care of this. Yeah. <laughs> Who are foreigners the, in the this situation? The huge dark giants? Foreigners? Uh, I think... To the burly men or people that aren't white but are also foreign to the person doing the math? I think the former. Yeah. Oh, no. No. It has to be the latter because they say they eat white men and foreigners. Yeah. They're not picky. Yeah. So white people and Peruvians. They don't even see race before they eat them. Yeah. Mm. In, In this island, there are two summers and three winters. The trees and herbs flower twice a year. What are you talking about? <laughs> That's the thing? That's the thing that you find unbelievable? Well, I mean, it's just those are silly numbers. Like, obviously, the, the idea of the like the four seasons that we use are based on, you know, specifically experienced European seasons or whatever, mm-hmm. don't accurately describe, you know. You talk about in the tropics, you can have, you know, all these very distinct sort of sub-seasons. Two summers and three winters, three summers, two winters. Two summers, three winters. Well, that's just nonsense. You're being mm. ridiculous. Uh, speaking of three, Ben, I'm going to need you to demonstrate in this next one that you can count to three. Is that okay? Okay, I would love to. Yeah. Okay. Panel 6.22. See of the islands of the Indies where one finds spices. Many ships from many nations cross this sea. Here, 
one finds three kinds of fish named sirens. One is half fish, half woman. Yep. The other is half woman, half bird. <laughs> End of list. End of list. Incredible. <laughs> and I love that it's not half woman, half fish, and the other one's not half half fish, half woman. It's half woman, half bird. Yeah. What half? <laughs> what are we looking at here? <laughs> a pair of lovely, lovely legs, lovely ladies' legs yeah. with the torso of a seagull and the arms of a seagull. <laughs> wings, I guess. <laughs> It's not particularly like beguiling. No. Ah! Oh god, I got fucked so bad. Yeah. Or the other, the alternative. <laughs> Dearest sailor, come see my one hole. <laughs> it's multi-purpose. <laughs> and finally, panel six dot twenty-three. This city is deserted due to snakes. <laughs> <laughs> City closed due to snakes. <laughs> due to unfortunate snake circumstances, we had to close the city for the foreseeable future. <laughs> <laughs> due to snakes is an unbelievably powerfully loaded three word phrase. Yeah, says a lot with a little though, yeah. doesn't it? Due to snakes. <laughs> ah, fuck. <laughs> It's been like, I can't wait to see my cousin. It's been so long. He lives in this wonderful city. Didn't even tell him I was coming. It's going to be a surprise. Yeah. The floor seems to be, all right, turn around. Let's get out of here. No, thanks. <laughs> he walked past the uh, <laughs> the signs at the start of the city. Can't read them. Don't know what that says. Yep. Some sort of weird writing. Oh, well. Yep. Some sort of odd pictogram. It depicts the letter S with a stroke through it and then a circle around that diagonal stroke. Oh, S looks angry. Yeah. Strange. Very, very strange. Anyway, so, I mean, if you are going to the Orient yep. or anywhere in between, yeah. now you know how to sail with pleasure. That's right. And if you're going through the Occident, you'll eventually come around the Orient. So yeah. this information still applies. Oh, fuck, I missed one in Africa that was just basically, uh, uh, ivory is plentiful here due to the many elephants. Yeah. Probably and, and that'll stay that true one. forever. Yeah. Yeah. That's upsetting. Well, thank you very much. I, I feel like I know much more about the world now. Mm. And that's it. Yeah, that's it. That's an episode of The Theophiles. Um, Check it out. If you like if this you and already. you want more Theophiles, write to your local Andrew and say, hey, or more theophiles. Yeah. No, don't do Take that. Take the night off. That'll make him feel bad. Yeah, what was he doing? What was he busy with? He had some sort of dinner oh, or something. Smoking weed. Yeah, he's probably smoking that good weed. Yeah. yeah. That he didn't give you any. Yeah, you know what? I was When we were leaving his house on the last day, I was like, this motherfucker's definitely giving me weed on account yeah. of he grows his own weed because it's legal in Canberra. And he always talks about how good his weed is. He's always posting photos in the group chat of the trichomes or whatever on his weed. He's like, oh, I've got the best weed. My weed rules. And I'm like, well, I can't just be like, hey, do you mind if I take some of your weed with me when I leave? Because that would be rude. I'll just wait for him to offer. Loading I feel like you could have asked car. for some weed. Yeah, I don't know. It seemed like a faux pas. 
Andrew's like a, a famously for, forgetful guy. He is an extremely absent-minded man. Um, yeah. I didn't want to be an imposition. Head in the clouds. And then now, what, three weeks after I left, he's like, oh, shit, I was meant to offer you guys weed. Thanks, man. I would love that. would love that a lot. Yeah. Oh, well, what can you do? <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Um, we'll be back with a free episode in like three days, if you can hold yeah. out that long. Um, if you can't hold out that long. Don't know what, don't know what to do for you. Yeah, we can't help you. You're fucked, basically. <laughs> uh, stay safe out there. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.